Music. Reviews. Chat. Poems. Comedy. Writing. Interviews. ELFM. It's radio, but so much more. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the show. show. Yesterday, we went to London and had a tour around the Houses of Parliament. On the desk, we have Amos. Shannon. Me, Stephen. Eliana. And Ryan and Banana. Um, we got a tour around the Houses of Parliament from Richard Bergen, Bergen and we're all just going to go around and say what we enjoyed about it. I'll go first. I really liked the architecture, especially inside of the House, the house of Lords. Um, my favourite thing was the golden-plated... Uh, was the golden-plated um, chair in the House of Lords. My favourite thing was the system and how it worked and how it was actually structured. My favourite thing was the fact that the, that the public toilets smelled way better than actual Westminster Church, which is kind of surprising. One of the things that I loved is how... Uh, red, red is my favourite colour for backup information. Um, the House of Lords was themed red and gold and they, it was absolutely stunning and beautiful. Um, we were also lucky enough to do an interview with Richard and he chose this song that we are about to play. It is the first song off of Iron Maiden's new album. We're not going to play all eight minutes of it, but we hope you enjoy. LFM. That was Senjutsu by Iron Maiden in their new album. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Inside the Houses of Parliament and what we have done. Uh, so today we've got, I'm Johan and... I'm Henry. I'm Alex. I'm Thomas. I'm James. And Alex and James are going to be talking about the security. So when we arrived at Houses of Parliament, it, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, I expected security, but I didn't expect it to be at the extent it really was. There was um, armed guards that Johan uh, made friends with. Um, he waved at them, they waved back, and now they're best friends. Uh, and we, I went over to the gates now, and one thing I noticed, um, that it took a while for us to get in. They were a bit hesitant about letting us in because, you know, our tour guide had been inside, but then eventually they let us in. But there was also a sign, and can anyone here remember what was on the sign of what you weren't allowed to take in? Go on, anyone? All right, um, no bats, no knives, no firearms, no padlocks, no... Uh, flags, no banners. Banners, it? flags and banners. Uh, no whistles. I think you brought in five of those items on that list. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, we got past that. Um, none of us had any things, um, luckily. And uh, we got down this big ramp and uh, went in queuing. It was getting very hot at this point. I was very warm. And we get to what I would like to call the airport. Um, section of the parliament building and it was like you know the, the big scanners and the x-ray machines that you put your bag in and uh, I think what was it um, Julio uh, got his drone temporarily confiscated Martin got a whistle confiscated and we put the bag through the x-ray machine and then there was a metal detector thing that you walk through but um, we had someone in the studio a little bit worried that they were going to get caught for something so Alex what was it um, so me and Lydia were really worried because we had eyeballs, like little sweet eyeballs in our bags and we got scared that they would think that they were real. And you had human said, eyeballs in your bag. Yeah, yeah. We, thought they were, we thought that they would think that they were real. So we walked through. After that, it was, it was pretty much fine. The security then died down in the main hall. It was, you know, nothing in the big hall. And um, we walk a bit further, we get into another room, we got took into a room that then said no photography. And uh, I don't I didn't I don't know if I showed some of the guys in my group. I uh, I took a picture of the sign that said no photography, and that's the only <laughs> picture I took of the whole parliament trip. And uh, and then we noticed there's a lot of security guys walking around who like the wannabe police officers, you know, they're walking around and uh, 
and they had some like body some of them had body armor on and uh, it looks very serious um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dob some people in now uh, some people who are taking pictures when I was there and videos and one of them is sat to my right right now so Amos walked in with a 40 inch iPad and decided to record absolutely everything um, and then eventually, when we're in one of the rooms, uh, one of the security guys goes, does anyone remember the exact words that the security guy said? Go on, Johan, you do. Um, I'm pretty sure he said, turn that off right now. And then he also, what well, did he say? Like, I, I suggest you get rid of it, implying he wanted you to delete it, but you just carried on filming, didn't you, after you left? And then uh, there was also someone who was meant to be setting a, an example in the group um, who took a picture, and that was Martin and Henry. Um... Henry wanted to get a photo next to a statue, and uh, you know, they went over, took a picture, they said to not take a picture, but they continued to. So Henry, what do you have to say for yourself? So uh, this is a different Henry to the Henry who introduced himself before. The other Henry is um, a small boy, and I am an, an old man. Um, so I'm the broadcasting worker here at Chapel FM, and therefore the responsible adult. Um, but I don't know, I think that it's our building. It's the people's building. We should have a right to take photos of statues and each other in the people's building. It's it's a we pay their wages, right, guys? Yeah. Everyone's nodding furiously in the in the studio. Even though it's just Henry. Even though it's just Henry. All right, fair enough. I'm going to pass back over to the much more articulate Henry, the, the more responsible Henry. Anyway, uh, that was probably all it was for security. I mean, it was just pretty tight the whole way around. Did I miss any information there, guys, on how the security was? I mean, that's not really about the part. Well, that wasn't to do with the tour really the script it was just something I picked up on and I learned that it's a very secure building anyway I'm gonna pass you over to the more responsible Henry now uh, and he's gonna tell us a bit about the suffragettes isn't that right yes so in 1903 uh, Emmeline Pankhurst and others started the suffragette movement in the United Kingdom uh, which they pushed for votes for women and um, part of this was using the Bates propaganda and violence and this violence actually included uh, arson and smashing windows and they did all of this, this just to have the right to vote in general and parliamentary elections which is very dangerous I guess um, and there was a particular suffragette that stands out called Emily Wilding Davidson and she actually hid inside a broom cupboard that was in Parliament, uh, avoiding a census. And um, now there is a plaque there in the very same broom cupboard that was put there by Jeremy Corbyn. Without permission. Yes. Yeah, so thank you very much, young Henry. Um, but now I'm going to pass over to Johan, who's going to tell us. What are you going to tell us, Johan? You t- uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Okay, I'm going to be talking about the monarch and a superstition that results in none of them going into the Houses of Parliament. So it started a long time ago when King Charles I was the monarch and was the ruler of England. So King Charles had committed treason, so the Parliament tried to trial him for his crimes, but they decided not to as he had too much power and he could try get them and arrested. The, the reason for this uh, treason was because he provoked civil war and people weren't happy about this. So yeah, continue. Sorry to start that information. And then, so all of the MPs and the people wanted to rebel, so a civil war started and but I think I've skipped a bit but before he went into the Houses of Parliament to sort of complain and then a civil war started and he was beheaded at Whitehall. That is correct. And finally, the last piece of information which I would consider um, one of the most important pieces of the Parliament building. Thomas, take it away. Well, um, the most important piece is the secret toilets. Well, as we were in... As we entered the room robe room the tall guide showed us the robe throne and all about it as we were about to leave the tall guide told us a secret beyond this wall what, well what was the secret Thomas? a secret toilet only used by the monarch and 
Queen Victoria. We couldn't see it, but he told us who made it. It was Thomas Crapper, and the and the toilet and the toilet was made. The toilet was made for the first flushable toilet. So that's right. Yeah, the, the toilet there. Uh, well, about first. Thomas Crapper, um, his name was actually the reason the word crapper came to be, you know, as a word for a toilet. And, um, but yeah. Um, so, so, sorry, as broadcasting worker for East Leeds FM, I just need to say we're skirting around really dodgy areas about the language we're using. So, can you stop saying the name of this famous <laughs> historical figure, please? I, uh, I, I guess I'll have to stop. But no, yeah, he couldn't show us the room. Um, and I did question. What would happen if I if I was to just rebel against the whole of Parliament Building and go in and, and use it? I would go on history as the first person to use it. But anyway, that's all the um, the information that we got from there. Has anyone anyone want to add anything else? Anything they saw? Anyone? I do remember. I didn't research much about it, but I remember there was um, a placard for um, uh, one of the prime prime PMs, I think it was, who got murdered in the hallways um, in Parliament, and uh, he, there's a bit of information on there, but I can't remember much about it. But now um, we have some questions we asked Richard Bergen, and uh, we're going to play them right now for you guys. Oh, I grabbed the wrong mouse. I've got the wrong mouse again, I think. Oh, it's inverted, that's why. Let's hear it. Does anybody have any questions, comments, thoughts? What are you doing as a um, local MP to help people in the communities who are um, suffering with things like energy bills, things that have skyrocketed in price? That's a really good question. Ray's asked the question about what am I doing in terms of, in essence, a cost of living crisis that people are facing in our community, with the bills going higher and higher, people being ripped off, people's living standards being really under pressure. So what I've been doing in Parliament is arguing inside Parliament and outside Parliament for an increase in the national minimum wage. I think the national minimum wage should be increased to £15 an hour. I've also been arguing inside and outside Parliament for price caps on essential items such as food. But something I've also been really pushing for in Parliament is the introduction of a wealth tax. So if you had, for example, a 10% one-off tax on the wealth of every pound over £5 million on every person who's got more than £5 million uh, in this country, then you could raise over £100 billion, which could be used to create a huge social emergency fund to help get people in East Leeds and across the country through this cost of living crisis. I've also been arguing and raising in Parliament the issue which you and I talked about earlier, Ray, of the public ownership uh, of the uh, companies, because I think one of the big problems is these energy companies are being run for profit, not for public good, and that leads to a situation where quite often they're very happy to rip people off. Any other questions? Why do they not allow pictures taken in certain rooms? Like, it's not like there's actually that much confidential in there. I don't know why that is, but I think the main reason that they would give is central lobby for example where they're very strict on not having photos is where for example a constituent might meet their politics as usual order order we are here to talk about whether the house agrees or disagrees in a decrease in taxes for people earning over 50,000 pounds annually we will first hear from the prime minister mistress i would like to put forward my case to decrease the taxes by 40 percent for rich people only um because because i believe in trickle down economics i would also like to put forward an uh, um, a case to increase taxes for people earning under 20,000 because they're not working hard enough. <laughs> Order! May we hear from the opposition, Mr. Darman, sorry, Mr. Salmon, if you'd like to reply. Uh, so you say, <laughs> this is a very bad idea because my grandma will no longer be able to pay for her 
for her heating. Oh, and everyone else will struggle, but mostly my grandma. <laughs> Order! Order! Let's hear from the honourable gentleman, Joris Bonson. <laughs> I do agree, you see, because I agree with the honourable prime minister, because um, I am very rich, and I would like to make Great Britain great again! Uh, you see, I will do this by throwing several more Christmas parties, but you see, I will not be able to throw them if I have to pay so many damned taxes. We will now hear from the Honourable Gentleman, a geography teacher, on the opposite side, Mr. Carbon. Increasing tax for the poor will mean people will die at the hands of lunatic Liz. Everyone stop acting like nursery children. I ordered the honourable gentleman, a geography teacher, to withdraw his comment against the first, uh, the prime minister, mistress. Otherwise, I will be forced to remove you from the House of Commons. What comment? Mm. The words or the adjectives starting with an L, ending with an lunatic. I stand by my statement. Liz is a lunatic. I'll see myself out. No! <laughs> <laughs> As you wish. Case closed. just heard was the royal crapper so um here at the table we have amos who played joris bonson in the skit rana banana who played miss speaker eliana kagai who played keith stormer i mean <laughs> dharma mr Darman, <laughs> actually and stephen who played jeremy corbyn and me Shannon, who played Liz Truss. so now i'm going to be asking everyone what would they change if they were prime minister Rana. I would change a huge amount of things. However, the three main ones would be, firstly, hate the hate crime amount in this country is absolutely ginormous because um, if you even just go to a room, you'd at least find one hate crime committed there daily. I would say because hate crime is something that puts so much mental health into it's worse and makes so many people's lives unworthy and that creates a really bad um, way to live and it doesn't really give them an opportunity to fully express themselves because they have been hated against Um, which leads to my second point I would try to increase the good mental health in the country by demolishing everything that could uh, possibly make it worse including uh as i mentioned earlier hate crime discrimination racism etc my third point however i would like to make equality 
for everyone, whether that's in taxes, whether that's in their gender. I would like to make equality available for everyone in most dimensions or every dimension possible. Um, thank you for that, Rana. Now we'll move on to Eliana. Hey, Darma and Pam. Uh, okay, my name's Eliana, as you know, and I was acting as Kish Dharma. I'm going to just sum this up really quickly. Shush. <laughs> One of the main things I would like to do is make things available for everyone. As you cannot judge someone by, the, you can't judge a book by its cover. And I just, all I want to do is for people that have like less than the average salary to, to have, have discounts to foods. So everyone is accessible to everything. Bye bye fans. Thank you, Eliana. Now we're moving on to Stephen. So if I were prime minister, I would increase awareness for topics like discrimination and poverty and I would support lots of charities in order to increase awareness and help people in need. Thank you, Stephen. Now, finally, Amos. Um, so my points kind of link into the skit that you just heard because I would make taxing more fair to everybody because slightly unlike Ran, I believe in equity over equality where people that like have the means to be able to pay more taxes are paying more taxes and like paying more taxes more money in their taxes and people that can't afford quite as much pay slightly less um because i think that's more fair for everybody in the country um and also my second sort of law change would be to make the home office better because right now for asylum seekers and refugees and people like that it's really hard to claim asylum in this country and it's not a good system that we have uh, so those are the things that i would change thank you now le- listen to richard bergen Bye, Dama fans. Do you feel that the grandness of the building in which we're in and the history of it pulls you away from the place what you're actually representing? Because I feel like if, especially with uh, some of the, maybe the MPs of the Lords, being in a building this grand could maybe take you away from what you're actually representing as in like the maybe the lower class places i totally agree that's a fantastic point i actually don't think parliament should be in this building as interesting as it is i'd much rather it be uh, in a modern building you could even have it halfway between uh, leeds and bradford and uh, make life easier for the rest of us but on a serious note you're right because it technically is a palace it's the palace of westminster and some mps have their heads turned when they get in here they might come in here with intentions of standing up for their community but the waltz around parliament the palace of westminster start to think that politics is something just for them and not for other people they start to think that they're very very important and other people aren't as important as them and i think that's dangerous we saw the statue when we were coming up the stairs the bust rather of an iron bevan who was a coal miner who became a labor mp who then founded the national health service in 1948 and he wrote a book called in place of fear on the first page of that book, he talks about the impressions of a newly elected MP from a working class background coming into Parliament. And he said that it's basically the whole building is a monument to ancestor worship. But remember, it's not our ancestors that he's worshipping. And he talked about his ancestors from uh, working class backgrounds. Similarly, we saw the bus downstairs of Keir Hardy. I was asked a really interesting question earlier. Somebody said, oh, do you have to have a degree to become an MP? I said, well, you shouldn't need to have a degree to become an MP, and you don't have to have a degree to become an MP. And the person that asked the question seemed surprised. And we saw the bust of Keir Hardy, who was the founder of the Labour Party, who went to work from the age of eight. He was at work from the age of eight and didn't have formal schooling beyond them. And when he came to Parliament, he also made comments, like the comment you've made, about the nature of the building. And I think that's right. I think the grandeur of the building can give people who are MPs the wrong idea, but also I think it can give ordinary people the wrong idea who aren't MPs. It can intimidate them. It can make them think that politics isn't for them. It can make them think that politics is a rarefied pursuit just of MPs, not of ordinary people. And I totally disagree with that kind of idea. So it's a really, really important point you've raised. Thanks, Finn. 
My question is, uh, what inspired you to become a, a part of this and uh, at what age did you realise you wanted to do this? So I joined the Labour Party at an early age. I joined when I was 15 and I'm 42 now. I was always interested in politics from being young. My parents were teachers and I used to kind of listen to them at home talking about the problems that schools had in getting proper funding when Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister in the 80s. Also growing up hearing about the miners' strike and I know that recently East Leeds FM did a programme about coal mining and it included an interview with a striking miner who'd been on strike for the full year in the 1984-85 miners' strike to save jobs. Now, growing up listening to uh, the... Because my auntie was... Um, married to a striking miner and growing up hearing about the miners strike hearing about how that government treated working class communities when they stood up for themselves for a better future that got me thinking about how society works and how it's wrong the way society uh, works and then when i went to university and i was lucky enough to go to university i was the first person from my family to go to university i went to cambridge university and there i met a lot of people who were very different in terms of their backgrounds from the backgrounds of the people i went to school with at cardinal heenan in meanwood uh, in leeds and i thought these people through their connections through their confidence which is often a confidence gained by going to big expensive public private schools uh, these people are going to end up running the country and i thought why should we leave it to them to run the country i thought these people are no cleverer than the people i went to school with in leeds these people are no better than the people i went to school with in leeds so why should we leave shaping the future of our society to them and it was that experience at university of meeting these people some of whom, by the way, now are in the Conservative government, people I went to university with. I thought, why should we leave it to them? And so that persuaded me I always wanted to be involved in politics. As to whether I'd be an, a Member of Parliament or not, um, in a way I was surprised when I managed to become a Member of Parliament because somebody with my socialist politics, sometimes we find it harder to get selected and elected as candidates historically. Uh, but I was always going to be a political activist the rest of my life and I see being an MP as being an extension of me being an activist. Hello and welcome to um, our feelings about being outside of number 10. We've got Amos, Hello. Shannon, Hi. Callum, Hi. Carlos and me, Rana. Um, so what's the main feeling you've got, you guys have uh, felt when you first went to uh, number 10 Downing Street? Callum? I, think I felt a bit panicked because it was really overcrowded there. What about you, Amos? Um, somewhat on the contrary to what Callum said, I liked the atmosphere because we got there right after the new Prime Minister had been announced, so it was, like, really busy there, and we got to do some really good interviews, and it had a good atmosphere. Uh, and your feelings, um, Carlos? Um, my feelings were, um, I found it quite strange because I've never seen so much people in one place comparing to here in Leeds. What about you, Shannon? Um, I I felt that it was really weird to be out, outside Ten Downing Street because I thought I didn't. It, I thought it was a red building, but it was actually different colour. Were you guys a bit annoyed that you couldn't be right outside of it, like how um, many reporters were? Uh, you were just on the outside of the street, uh, Shannon. I was disappointed that I couldn't see the new prime minister. I think we would have had to wait about an hour after we left before he actually went there. I didn't because if we did manage to get to the phone, we'd have had to like walk through the massive crowds and people who are claustrophobic like me could have had a panic attack. Um, I think it would have been a good experience to be at the front, um, especially for like journalism and stuff like that, because um, it's kind of like the whole what you do in it. Um, however, I do agree, trying to push through all of those people and be at the front, getting squashed, especially when we're all um, smaller people, we're all still children. Uh, I don't think that would have been very pleasant for us. On that thought uh, of being at the front nearby the door of Downing Street, what are you? What are your thoughts about the new Prime Minister, um, Amos? 
well, I think it'll be better than Liz Truss, but I doubt that'll be very hard. Um, I'm not sure. I have somewhat mixed feelings about him. I think we should have had a general election. I think that would have been a better way to resolve it. What about you, Carlos? Um, I think that um, he's a good a good prime minister because comparing to Liz Truss, he's obviously he looks less frightened than Liz Truss when he goes <laughs> when he goes into um, Downing Street or whenever you see him, he's always with a smile. Very true. Um, Callum, I just hope that it does better than Liz Trust and. I think that I won't lie as much as Boris and Liz trust. Your thoughts, Shannon? Um, I hope he will be honest. And um, if he doesn't um, do well as a prime minister, then he will um, probably then Conservative probably won't be like it will probably be Labour next time. Those are do a general election. Those are some good comments for all the questions I've asked. But I've got one that I am truly questioning. Um, what were you guys' thought about the protests right outside of the uh, Downing Street area? Because there was one about stopping oil and there was another one uh, and many other others. Um, Carlos? Um, I think that some of the protests, um, I could tell what they were true, but the other protests were kind of to get attention. For example, the stop the oil one, they closed the whole road and loads of cars and people. But they were doing that to try and get their point across. They yeah. were stopping traffic because it's wrong that we're importing so much oil and gas because it's bad for the planet. It's meaning, it's meaning that people don't have as much money and they weren't making loads of cars crash or anything. They were just closing down a road to as peaceful protest outside of Downing Street to try and get their point across. So I didn't really have a problem with it. Although I did have a problem with the people that were protesting for anti-vaccines because they were being very loud. What are you thinking, Shannon? Um, I thought that my favourite protest was the stop oil one because I found it very interesting how uh, seeing the people's faces inside the car, they looked very annoyed. And, it and your thoughts, Callum? Going back to Amos's point... There was closing down the road near police, which was a risk for them to get arrested. So... But they were doing it to try and get a point across. They will have known the risks involved, so they were doing it to try and get their point across that we shouldn't be importing as much oil and gas as we are. So I didn't really have a problem with it. As well, um, there was one point where me and Johan were doing an interview with one of the protesters and a man came up and asked if all this food should go to a food bank and he seemed very annoyed with all the protesters, which was quite funny. Your response to that, Callum? Also, another part of your point, the anti-vaxxers, they knew they were in the wrong, so they covered the faces up so they didn't actually know who they were. That's a good point. Well, on the note uh, that you mentioned about interviews um, from you and Johan, Amos, um, we will be hearing some interviews next. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So we are here with, in London, just outside of 10 Downing Street, we are here with... I'm Matthew Cotton. Um, so, Matthew, what do you think about the new Prime Minister? I think he has a very difficult job to do. Um, not least because the entire Conservative Party is imploding um, at the moment. And it'll be interesting to see what Rishi Sunak has to offer. Um, what did you think to the previous Prime Minister? Uh, well, Liz Truss didn't do a very good job. Um, her budget wasn't, uh, it wasn't costed, so... This kind of spooked the markets and has led to higher interest rates for everyone. It's really bad if you own a mortgage. It's really bad at a time when we have a terrible cost of living crisis. So uh, an utterly terrible job, I think, in most people's opinion. And what do you think Rishi Sunak um, should do now that he's been appointed prime minister? What do you think his first few actions should be? Well, everyone thinks that his job should be to settle the markets, to kind of provide a bit of stability, 
which I think is probably a good idea. Um, and kind of keeping with this need to uh, sort out the cost of living crisis, particularly over the winter when it's going to be very expensive for people to eat and heat and you know feed themselves and heat their homes at the same time, it becomes incredibly difficult. So I think any action that kind of helps people on those things is a is a good start. Uh, and we're also here with Johan, who's going to ask you a few questions as well. Uh, I, I, I oh, okay, Johan's not going to ask you a few <laughs> questions. But um, yeah, thank you. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Hello, my name's Eliano from Leeds FM, and it's okay if we ask you a few questions. Yes, certainly. So, who do you think is going to be the next Prime Minister? Definitely Rishi Sunak. And why do you think that? He's got most of the votes. Really? He deserves to be, yes. Why do you think he deserves to be the Prime Minister? Because I preferred his policies. Um, what are your thoughts on Liz Trust and Boris Johnson? <laughs> My thoughts on Liz Trust and Boris... I think Liz Trust was put in because they didn't know who else to put in and I don't think she was ever going to stay there. And Boris Johnson, I think he went at the right time and I don't think it would have been right for him to come back as Prime Minister now. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Who do you think the new Prime Minister is going to be? Well, I think it's going to be, it's definitely going to be Rishi Sunak now, because he's been, I think he's uh, officially got it. So, um, yeah, we'll see how long he lasts. Did you, did you pop, were you just passing through? Or are you just we ended was, up here? We were supposed to be coming to London today anyway, just for a day for a day out. It just turned out that it's uh, this particular day, so it's great, you know, you can, a bit of a buzz around about it and everything. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. Any other questions, Robert? Um... Do you think this Prime Minister is going to last longer? Good question. I don't know. Probably not. I think we'll. I think we'll have. A, I think we'll have a general election pretty soon. To be honest, I don't think. Uh, I think everyone's had enough. Any questions, folks? Go on, Callum. All right. So, um, what's your name? My name is John Eldridge. Uh, yeah, so we're here with uh, Mr. John, and we're just stood outside of Ten Downing Street. Um, so. What do you think to the new Prime Minister, or what do you think they should do? Um, I'm pleased that he is the only one that, that stood, um, uh, and I think it's about time that uh, he just got on with it now, um, and I think he's the one that would unite the party, really. And what do you think to the last couple of Prime Ministers that we've had, being um, Liz Truss and Boris Johnson? Well, I thought Boris Johnson was doing a good job until... Um, the, the, re the few weeks before his downfall uh, and then he really mucked up and, and I think the best thing was that he went Liz Truss I didn't think was the right candidate I, I actually get a vote as to who should go in and I originally voted for Rishi as opposed to Liz Truss so I'm actually quite pleased that uh, that he's, um, he's now going to be the next Prime Minister. Do you think that instead of what is happening, do you think that it would be better if we had a general election or not? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think a general election would not... Uh, I think it would be divided so much that, that we just need to get on with the job at the moment. And um, what do you think, uh, Rishi Sunak, what do you think he should do now to... As he's now got the role of Prime Minister, what do you think he should do for the country? Well, I think he's, what he's got to do is get his cabinet behind him uh, and sort out the, the finances, really. Um, that's, that's the main point, yeah, really, because people are worried about the future and, and what, what happens next, really. Um, what do you think uh, Rishi Sunak could do about the cost of living crisis and for the people who can't really afford their bills? Well, I think he's probably about the best one to know that because he was the Chancellor of the Exchequer so, and he had a plan before this, which of course uh, people didn't like, but I do think that he needs to carry on with that plan. Um, he knows more about the finances than, than certainly Liz Truss or any of the others. Thank you. What did you think of Liz Truss when she was Prime Minister? Uh, well, she wasn't really around long enough to make a judgment on her, to be honest, but no, she didn't do a very good job. She made a bad mistake with the uh, economy and as soon as you mess around with people's money that's where people get frustrated so she was never going to last long once that happened 
Well, here we are saying goodbye at last. A goodbye to democracy, perhaps, as we march into fascism. Or a new era of the Sunak era, where uh, the economy is great. Uh, And so I'm I'm Henry again, the boring adult in the room. But I'm joined by four completely new people this time. So, uh, sound off, introduce yourselves. Abriel. Finn. Carlos. Lydia. Um, So, uh, these are our four very talented musicians you've heard one of the songs they've made in what like five minutes it was incredible like so context for the show folks is we went on the trip yesterday and they rocked up and they went yeah we'll make a song so um abril uh what's the secret to working under pressure here at chapel fm <laughs> art center i mean i was kind of a bit skeptical of if it was going to work because usually in sound out we have three days yeah normally we have a little bit more yeah, time and then we had we and then we went over with the rom up and i was like oh god how is this gonna work <laughs> out um but we had we already lydia started writing a song yesterday on i the train. did mm-hmm. uh, the did. one that she sang the one called mind my french the royal crapper mm-hmm. um and then we already we already had the first and chorus and we kind of just did that. We kind of yeah. just repeated it. And then I guess we just had her sing it and then we worked out the cards and then we made a melody and there you go. So. Amazing stuff. So yeah. tell us, um, Finn, about the royal crapper, the song. <laughs> um, so how did it, how, like, did you want to create something that was like, wh- why, why that, I guess? Why the royal crapper? Uh, when we were in the House of Parliament, we found out that the Queen has a hidden, well, oh, had, the monarch. Yeah. The monarch has a, a hidden bathroom in one of the rooms. I think it's the throne room. Mm. The robe room. That's it, the robe, robe room. room. Do you robe think room. it's made of gold like the throne in the Houses of Lords? No, I, 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 I hope so. Yesterday. I asked, I asked, what about if the toilet's gold? Like, I don't know. It might be. Mm, okay, now that would be hilarious. <laughs> so, Lydia, you were struck by inspiration. Was this on the train coming back? No, um... <laughs> Me and my friend Alex um, were on Big a toilet. <laughs> anyway, me and my mate Alex, we were um, walking through the robe room on um, the um, tour that they were showing us. Um, and um, we just looked at it and it's like, is that a door <laughs> hidden by a desk? And it's like, yes, that is a door hidden by a desk. And I'm like, we should make a song out of that. And, you, and then we just started singing something on yeah. we're there. And then I'm like, we have to do, we have to make something on the train. So we did. And then we have the Royal Crapper. <laughs> da, 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 da. So Carlos, you jumped in on drums. Are you a drummer? You played drums before? No, I've never played it before. You never played drums before. And never. here you are live on air. You've, you've recorded a song that's yeah. been listened to millions by millions of people all around the world. Um, are you someone that jumps into like, yeah, I'll give that a go, or are you always a little bit, mm, not sure? Um, before I tried the drum, um, I actually tried the guitar. Yeah. Um, I tried it, but I got a little bit too frustrated, and obviously I couldn't do it. So I tried the drum, and then I guess I done the drum instead. Nice one. So when, so I just want to ask your thoughts then about when you went to London. Were you like looking for inspiration for songs? Were you looking for ideas, or um, do you think there should be more songs about? I mean, there's loads of political songs, right? But mm. more songs about the royal crapper, or just like songs about <laughs> about the Houses of Parliament, or do you think we're so removed from it as a space? Finn, what do you reckon? Um, oh, I'm always looking for inspiration everywhere because you know, as a songwriter, you always find inspiration in the smallest things. But I think we should have more songs about Parliament, especially yeah. the silly parts of it, because mm. silly songs and songs we can all laugh at are what connect us to that part of what we're, I guess, can like not very connected to. So yeah. I think we should have more songs about how silly Parliament is because it's colour coded, like, <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> Carlos, I'm going to ask you that question. What part of Parliament do you think we could write a song about next time? But before that, I'm going to come to Abril. So, yeah, you were just going to say a point about, like, songwriting about the House of Parliament. Well, I think I agree with uh, Finn about how making it not... Because most of, you know, part about things about House of Parliament is very depressing, you know. Third Prime Minister in in a year, let's go. Um, (laughs) We've got... um, like we've got the whole kind of thing with the cuts and the laws and all that, and everyone's just kind of getting bored of it. Mm. So if we like write a like some sort of song about like gold throne, mm. maybe potentially a gold toilet, you know, <laughs> how I saw Michael Gove come from the toilet, <laughs> <laughs> um, something like that. Then like think yeah, that would be like 
I guess cool. Just to de- demystify it, to make it more yeah. relevant, to make it more realistic. Um, Carlos, anything on the trip, on the on the tour that you're like, oh, I definitely need to write a song about that or a feeling or a style? Um, well, London's basically just a bigger Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that, London? You're basically a bigger Leeds. Yeah. yeah. So why would you go down there? Carlos, my friend, you need to write for me a song or a poem or a story, something oh, that has the title... Bit. London is just a bigger lead. Go on, what are you going to say, mate? song that I would probably do from London is about protesters. Okay. Because you bumped into a few of them, right? Yeah. yeah. I've got handed so many leaflets. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then, like, the protesters, very free. It's like, I don't think that they would really care if they went to prison because yeah. they were really free. They just stopped the whole road and stuff like that. Question. When when did prison come into this? <laughs> so well, we won't go into it, but they have made new laws that are uh, making protest even more criminalised, illegal. It's it's. Really? Yeah, but wasn't it's it a down. peaceful protest? It is, but it's still blocking a road, and uh, that's still obstruction. So oh, wow. there's there's consequences. But we don't have time for that now. Another we'll radio show we've just got, about protests. We've got, yeah, come on, guys. We've got another show on at four o'clock. Lydia, before we finish oh, off, ah, no. uh, you again. Um, yeah, me again. After we did the tour and we were in the, the couple of stations, you found a little toy to play with. Can you tell us about discovering the pianos in? Uh, oh, oh yeah. Again, me and my friend Alex, um, we were walking, <laughs> we were walking um, around the um, train station with Martine. Um, Martin shout is out to Martin. He's a music worker and he's a legend. Yeah, 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 Martin. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, we were walking around looking for food, and. Um, We've heard something. Turns out it's um, someone playing the piano. Mm. It was absolutely gorgeous. I think they might have been playing a symphony or something, um, but I have no idea. Anyway, like after we got like dinner, um, I'm like, Martine, I want to go on a mission. I want to play that piano. And um, so we walked back over the road to the station and guess what? It was free. <laughs> the best things in life are free. And I got to play it, and now Martin has a video. So, so I think we, we could do like a, a special uh, little side Hold on, feature. get on a mic, no! get on a mic. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just would like to say that we, we conquered all the pianos <laughs> in and around the train stations north of uh, London. Yeah. And uh, that will be online on our website, I think. I played two of the pianos in London. Check out our Instagram reel. Yeah. I know, right? Check, Check out on the TikTok. <laughs> okay, so we've got one more song to finish off the show. Um, uh, tell us about the song. Tell us what, what how, how is this different to the other one that we've heard? Okay, I guess it's more serious. It's called um, Parliament and its MPs, and it was mm-hmm. actually written by Rana. So, big up Rana. I actually don't know where she is. <laughs> but um, Off writing another song, I imagine. <laughs> she's like there in the corner. Um, but it's more about like how, what Parliament has like over us, kind of. Like 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 c- one of the lyrics I think is like controlling with the fees mm. and some of like that. So it's like, I guess it's a more, not darker approach, but I guess a more kind of serious approach, which I think is good that we have one song halfway through the thing about Raul Crapper and then the other one that's actually ending it off on a, serious kind of note. Finn, do you do you tend to write serious songs, protest songs? Is this was this in your how we say a wheelhouse? This was like second nature to you or was it a bit of an unusual I do actually write a lot of protest songs. It's um one of my main genres of music so I actually quite enjoyed working with everybody to make this one. It was very nice. I like how um I like the the chords of it as well. It's, It's like it's very like jazz bluesy, which is not something you usually get with a protest song, but I like it. Nice one. Carlos, you on drums again? Yeah. Yeah. Do you prefer... <laughs> <laughs> let me just, let me just double check. Yeah, I think I am. Um, do you, how do you feel? So, second song. So, by that point, you were an expert and you were just away. Yeah, I was like, I was like a pro. Yeah. I was like a pure pro. Like, nobody could beat me. Like, Amazing. Yeah. Well, um, we, I guess... 
we need to say thank yous and farewells and goodbyes. Oh no! So there's so many people to th- like that went on the trip. So this was just a small portion that we need to mention. So we can't just like list everyone. And also, I don't have it on top of my head. But like a big shout out to Naomi from uh, Kentmere Community Centre slash Fall into Place who have been mentioned. Um, Elliot as well who came on the trip and did all our uh, helped out with some of the tech and editing of the interviews the Vox Pops Um, we want to give a shout out to HAP which is the housing advisory panel who and gave us some money to support this trip so thank you to them Lydia did you have did you put your hand up do you need no no (laughs) you're sort of just like clenching your fingers together evilly like planning your (laughs) domination of parliament Uh, now we now we know how what it looks like inside we know how to take over we know how to take over we know agencies in a peaceful way not like in a Trumpian way we know Um, know Richard's listening yeah so don't say Richard. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, yeah, and obviously a big thank you to Richard, Richard Bergen, the the local MP. Who um, I, th- I think it's really worth saying that I overheard someone go, "Oh, it's nice when an MP gives a tour." Like, and I don't think many MPs would give that much time to people. So yeah. we, we yeah, do yeah, want big to say thank to you. Wait, Richard Woo! was an MP. I thought it was just like a tour guide. You didn't know he was an MP. No. Are you joking? He's, no. He's the, East, he's the East Leeds Labour MP. Oh Jesus, my. Henry's actually on the floor. Oh, he's Jesus. Having Guys, Henry's breakdown. having a mental breakdown. Someone give him CPR. Right. Okay. So before, <laughs> before I ex- explode, um, maybe, we, maybe we'll do a bit more research next time, yeah, Lydia. Lydia. I, that's on me. That's on me. We didn't do the proper <laughs> no research. No one said anything. Did you see his House of Commons lanyard? It literally says Richard Bergen, Labour MP, and he's having his like green lanyard. I saw the lanyard, okay. but I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just like right. a worker's lanyard. Okay. Well, as the only person at this table able to vote, you know, at one point we had a debate yesterday and we said, should 16-year-olds be given the vote? And no. now I'm less certain. <laughs> I'm not too sure now, Lydia. Exactly. Um we're going to f- listen to the final song. Uh, Abril, introduce this final song for us. This final song is... Um, Parliament... Let's go again. This, the next song that we're going to play to end off the show is Parliament and its NPs. So I hope you have enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time.